welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. We're so glad you're listening today. We have such a great show for you. We're going to talk to John Sunt, who's had multiple businesses in the financial services. You'll love his story. Bob Hassan, I am so excited about our podcast, and I'm so excited about today's conversation. And just before we get to John, I think it's really interesting to see that, you know, in the marketplace, one of the reasons why we do a podcast like this is because when you go after this, you're invited into culture differently than if you were involved with just a church role. And you're invited to the seat of the table to influence people in a different way. I think of Joseph and Daniel and, and Esther as being examples in the Old Testament. But uh, you've had some pretty unique opportunities through the years of being, you know, on the board of a school. You've been on, uh, you know, many boards of ministries and organizations and nonprofits. You've consulted many business leaders. And so have I actually, I've been on the board of school, but I've done a lot of the same kind of things. Don't be on the board of a school, no. by the way. And anybody <laughs> listening, don't do that. <laughs> the pain of that. I always hear from anybody who's ever been on the board of a school. They're like, don't do it. Like people apply and send in the, like you've told me about it, like huge resumes for it. A lot of times people will do that. And then like on the way out there traumatizing going, I need therapy. <laughs> but it's interesting when you go after business, how, or a place of, influencing influencers and using your career for a place of influence for the kingdom. How do you get invited to certain tables to sit that you would have never even thought of or imagined? So kind of talk about, I don't know, let's talk about that together. Let's talk about like a couple of the things we've been involved with because we said yes to God and a career. Well, one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that you and I and Lauren and Sheree were covenant people. Mm -hmm. If you, if we get into relationship with each other, we're going to be in relationship for life. And so what ha has happened over the years is friends that we have will introduce us to other friends. Yeah. And when friends introduce us to other friends, it's almost like, here, here's my friend. You're going to love them. Yeah. Well, the same thing happens in business and in, in the ministry as trust is our only currency, as one of my old mentors oh, used to say. Saying. And it's the only thing we have is trust. And so I know that my main currency is trust. And this is how I think uh, businesses, relationships grow is trust is displayed. Your yes is yes. Your no is no. You do what you say you're going to do. Uh, you're willing to shift and adjust when I'm wrong, which is a lot. I'm willing to apologize yeah. and ask for forgiveness. So I think this is how how business grows and relationships grow and ministries grow. That's such a great point. And I think um, many people, they start out and they have a dream of uh, their career, serving God in their career. So they think of influence, they imagine what that could look like or finances or relationships or whatever. And uh, it's, it's Ephesians 3.20. God wants to take you beyond what you can hope for imagine in your wildest dreams. But in that there's a surrender sometimes to say, Hey, I know you want this and this and this. I actually want something a little different for you. It's just going to have the same kinds of results, but let go of the details of the dream and let me do it. And because there's his process is so different, but I think back to original kind of theme of what I was saying, I think like some of the, the times I've been in rooms of, you know, people who are influential, whether it's politicians or multinational company chairmen or whatever, you know, 
Um, or I'm, someone's calling me and I'm like, why are they calling me? Like, you just have this moment of like, why, what am I doing again? Like, <laughs> what, what is, I have those moments. Yeah. It's like, wait, why are they calling? I like to call anybody. Why you know, you have those moments and it's like, and there's the other side of it. That's like, God, you, I said yes to you. So this could happen to be available to you, to love these people, to be involved in this. Yes. And it's really interesting. Like, you know, we have to plan for, as we're going after a career, we have to plan for the influence and the favor of God that comes along with it but never feel like we deserve it because it came because of the cross, but also stand in, but we plan for it. We intend it. Right. And the one thing that a lot of people don't understand is the journey or the process. Mm -hmm. This doesn't happen overnight. And what, what we want to do is make sure that we're faithful in the small things Yeah, that, that God sees us when we're young, when we're in our twenties or even sometimes younger in your case. And, that God sees us as he asks us to do things that we're following through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so when people look at you now and say, Oh my gosh, you have all these words or you have this business or you have all the things that you're known and you're marked for. It's like, well, let's, let's reel back. Let's, let's, let's take that. Let's take this reel backwards. And when you were praying for, everyone in the church directory. <laughs> but I was learning how to be faithful. In other words, right. like when I was learning how to, yeah. Cause when you look at our lives and I think of both of us, I would say aren't the most gifted and we're not the most like intelligent and we're not the most, all these things. Like mm-hmm. we're intelligent enough, gifted enough, mm-hmm. but we're, we are both faithful and we both work hard. Mm-hmm. We both are committed and we both do what we say we're going to do. And um, I've learned the most from those mistakes of when I didn't stay faithful, like that bothers me in my mm-hmm. core when I'm not, when I don't get something through, I don't fall through. I procrastinate one step too long and you're the same way. So I feel like 25 years for me, 40 years for you. Plus um, we have this legacy of people we've connected to all these years and it accumulates yes. and you're in your uh, almost like your um, what's it called when you have money in a house, your equity, equity, almost like your equity from one series of relationships to another transfers, like whatever you've built, that's a true equity in life transfers to your next series of businesses and relationships or agreements. It's amazing. And that's a wonderful way to think about it. It, You're building equity in relationships. You're building something that uh, down the road, when, when things aren't going so smooth, you have equity with the person to be able to say, listen, I know we disagree right now, but we have this relational equity of 25 years. And so we can put this issue aside and, and, and we can care for each other. We're going to get through this issue. Well, John Sunt is our guest today, like we mentioned earlier, and he definitely has an equity with the Lord and knows all about equity and finances because that's been especially for a long time. And you're going to love not only his perspective, but what he's actually built. And some of you can even get involved with some parts of it, which is amazing. Oh, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great podcast. I can't wait. Here we are with another episode of Exploring the Marketplace. This is so fun. This is Bob. I mean, here we go. Here we go. Well, we have with us John Sant on today. And many of you are going to love the stories because some of the things that has happened in John's life, I was reading through his notes. We had a pre-talk with them. Bob already knows, and they're like lifelong friends. And I'm like, I need to know you. I need to know your stories. I need to know you personally. You've impacted the world in a great way because of your relationship with God. So here we go. So, so Johnny, um, I'm, I'm, we know each other now and all these, these years that we've been through, but to, you know, to, you started out at to chart house, right? As a bus boy. 
Worse than that, I was a dishwasher. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so knowing you now, it's just the funniest thing. But but when did you, you found the Lord early in your life and, and how did it affect you as you, as you started your career? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And uh, it's so nice to meet you. And I, yeah, I was a Hobart engineer is what we call dishwashers because uh, <laughs> I, I was... <laughs> I was a Hobart engineer in Coronado, California, and this uh, this girl that I that I liked took me to Calvary Chapel, and Mike McIntosh was speaking, and he was speaking straight to me, and I accepted Jesus when I was about sixteen. Wow! And I remember going back to Chart House, and there was this one guy that everybody looked up to, and he's still around. His name's Bo Bucklew, and uh, he was he was a good surfer. He was he had this you know he was married with this really pretty and nice wife and. Uh, he was super nice to everybody and he found out that I accepted Jesus and he would give me a ride home from chart house every night. Uh, it was about six or seven blocks to walk. And when he would just share the Lord with me, um, so it, it had a profound wow. impact on my, uh, I mean, it was right away. The, the first relationship I really had with anybody uh, that was a mentor was through my work was, was that chart house with a waiter, uh, that was, bringing me under his wing and pouring into me. And I called Bo about seven or eight years ago and thanked him. And he goes, yeah, Johnny, I've been tracking mm. you. And he was still in Coronado. He was still That's married, uh, still loved the Lord. Yeah. So it, it, it you know, God kind of started off uh, with a bang in my life. That's amazing. Well, let's kind of talk about uh, just the, this experience you've had in the marketplace, because You've done, you know, a couple of different things here that are pretty profound. And when did this start? Because going from a busboy into business, especially owning your own business, that's a story in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, went to UCSD, studied computer science. A uh, long story short, uh, I, I joined a brokerage firm uh, back in the late '80s, and uh, in two years, I rose to the top of the brokerage firm. I was pretty driven. I was pretty competitive. Uh, but one day I looked in the mirror and I was, I was walking with the Lord, uh, uh, or I should say stumbling. I wasn't quite walking. Some of I was stumbling. Um, and, and I looked in the mirror and I said, I can't continue to work for this big brokerage firm because I didn't think they were putting their clients first. Uh, and I, oh, wow. I, I actually called the president up and said, I'm leaving. And, and it was a big deal because he was somebody I never talked to. And, and he says, why are you leaving? And I said, I don't think you have a, a system that, that puts the clients first. And it was the, really the first instance where like, I can identify where God's like, had put this conviction in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I acted on that conviction. That's and amazing. I was walking away from a really well-paying job. It was like a really well-paying job. Uh, and I was walking into the unknown. Uh, so I started a business with a friend of mine who was a Christian out of our house in the financial services business. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was directly related mm-hmm. to that conviction that God gave me. Um, and then I eventually built, there's some really cool stories along the way, but I eventually built it up over time uh, with God's blessing. And we had over 150 employees. And I ended up selling it to a Fortune 500 company um, about seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, when you started Altegras, it was r- right real close to or right on 9-11, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a crazy story. So I had made the decision. I had built this business up inside a, a, a another brokerage firm, 
and we were just kind of crushing it, doing what we were doing. We were in the hedge fund business, and we were finding hedge funds to put money with. Uh, and I, I just felt convicted to go out on my own. And uh, it was a conviction that, uh, you know, was from the Lord. Like, the, you, you, it's time to be on your own. Um, um, so this is the largest hedge fund provider in the world. They were listed on the FTSE 100. They had, mm. I don't know, several thousand people and unemployment. And I, I said, I'm leaving. And the CEO just happened to be in town uh, in San Francisco. And he said, meet me at 6 a.m. at the Ritz-Carlton before I do my meetings for the rest of the day. And we'll talk about your separation. He was English. Uh-huh. It was Lord Stanley Fink. He's a lord. He's a lord. Like, right now, he's a Lord Stanley Fink. So I met at 6 a.m. at the Ritz-Carlton, and it was 911. Wow. And, like, the, we were looking at the TV, and buildings were coming down, and we had offices in New York. We had offices right next to the World oh. Trade Center. And the crazy thing is, is originally my meeting was at 9 a.m. in New York. Oh, my gosh. And they had switched it to 6 a.m. in San Francisco because Stanley was coming out to the West Coast. So I had in my daytimer, this is before electronic uh, manuals, I had in my daytimer 9 a.m. World Trade Center 4, which is right next door to the two towers, 9 a.m. Wow. And and instead, it was 6 a.m. in in, uh, uh, San Francisco. And the long story short, short, Stanley looks at me after he calls New York and everybody got out alive. We were in a satellite building. John, let's go have a cup of tea and talk about your separation. Mm. And I looked at him and I went, ah, oh, stiff upper lip, you know? Um, so I, I, t- and I stuck with my conviction and we were having tea in the Ritz Carlton there in San Francisco while people were running around. And I, I, I walked out of that meeting and I jumped into a rental car, like the last rental car we, I could find. I had to walk like six blocks and I drove down the coast and it was an eerie feeling because I had just left the security of this mothership, uh, you know, making quite a bit of money annually uh, off this conviction that God put in my heart. And it was this silent moment of driving where I just thought, okay, Lord, am I good? Are are we going to be all right? And it was, it wasn't like a a bolt in in the the night. It was more like a silent voice. Like we're going to be fine. Wow. You've mentioned a few times that, God's spoken to you through conviction. And Mm -hmm. one of the questions I like to ask is, how do you hear the Lord? Is it an audible voice? How do you, how do you hear the Lord? How have you heard the Lord in these major decisions in your life? Yeah, it's, it's generally been uh, like the wind. It's been like a, like a, uh, not like an audible voice, but like a, uh, like almost like the wind of the Holy Spirit, just, just, just like in my belly and in my heart. And then it getting codified like over time, like this is really, wow. And like you hear it and you feel it and then you rest in it and you pray through it. And it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's you, Lord. So it's kind of like that, kind of like the wind. I love that description. I think everybody has their own way to express it. It's usually really creative language. But the thing we have in common is that, you know, it's, it is creative mm-hmm. and it's a creative process more than it's a direct process because God wants us to partner with him, connect to him, be his friend, not just do something for him, but do something with him. And it's so different than how a lot of times we're taught or we're led to believe early on in our faith. So I love, I'm gonna go back to the story a little bit though, because when God showed you it was going to be okay and you were coming back down, you know, you get back into town on 911, you're starting your own business. Mm -hmm. Um, Was it, because I know that time was such a 
key time in the financial world right after 9-11 fell. Mm-hmm. Did you have an unusual grace or was it was it really a climb to it? Well, we were in this business of, of, of hedge funds and our job was to find the good from the bad. And we had favor after favor after wow. favor when I launched Altegris of, of securing relationships with some of the top hedge fund managers in the world uh, and, and getting um, uh, distribution rights, if you will, in the U.S. So we had, you know, one after another uh, victories. We had a couple hiccups too, but we, if you kind of scale back and look at the overall landscape, yeah. it's a very unlikely story for a La Jolla-based uh, surfer mm. to start a hedge fund financial services firm uh, and then have it become like a, 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 a real player in the industry. Um, so it was a, it was like a, like God's breath was on it. But see, I had had this experience once before when I was 27, I had, uh, when I, when I re when I started, when I broke away from that first company, yeah. uh, with my friend out of a house, uh, my friend got in a hang gliding accident and he was in a coma. Mm. I had just buried two, I just buried two brothers, tragic death. Wow. Uh, I ended up starting a nonprofit, which is a whole different story. Uh, but I had two brothers I had just buried. My friend, my friend was in a coma, and the broker's firm I was doing business with uh, was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal that they couldn't pay their bills. Oh, my gosh. And I had 17 employees. I was, 20, I was 29 years old, and everybody left. My employees left. And I had this big office in La Jolla, and I was on the brink of bankruptcy, on the brink of failure, on the brink of like my world had just caved in, uh, my social world, my spiritual world, because... Uh, you know, both my brothers were Christians and they both died with overdoses. And it was just like this, I was like staring at the edge of this black hole. And I felt the same thing that I felt that day driving down from San Francisco. It was like the wind. It was like, I was super depressed and I was like, oh, you're going to be with me, God. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to get me through this. Mm -hmm. And he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had this, I had this marker like 20 years earlier or 15 years earlier, or I'd say maybe 10 years earlier. And it was a blessing because when you go through something like that, um, it builds your faith. Yeah. And then you just bring, you know, you just bring that experience back into your real world day to day in business. And it's like, it's a real blessing. Well, I'm sure in that moment too, you know, like a lot of people, everybody who goes after business, especially if you're going to start business or if you're influenced business in a real way, you go through some dark times. It's just true. And then if you have personal issues along that, you know, mm-hmm. and I always wonder like, cause I've been a Christian my whole life. So some people are listening are like, that's not fair. But, but I always wonder how people face this stuff without God. I'm just wondering because mm. just there's this weird hope against hope that I, I know Americans have. Those are you listening from other nations. You go American, that's American, but there's an even further dialogue for Christians who really believe God can come through. Cause here you're in the darkest night. It sounds like of your, of your life. Yeah. And in the midst of that, you had this, peace that passes any kind of reality mm-hmm. that you're in right then. And they have miracles happen to bring you out of that season. And I think that when we talk about, you know, God does stuff, a lot of times we think of it in a very esoteric way or very like, you know, hypothetical way. We don't think of it as like really practical. And I love to hear that in the midst of your career, there's this place where God being your father, God being your, you know, in you has caused a very practical outcome in your life to the point where not only did he use the, or save your business, but I know you started an organization, uh, a nonprofit because of your brother's deaths. Mm -hmm. And that's affected millions of teenagers around, you know, I think it's around the U S if not the globe. That's incredible. Yeah. Johnny, 
talk to us about Natural High and talk to us about a little bit about the tragedy of your brothers and how you coped with it and what you started from it. Yeah. So um, God many times uses our pain to create purpose in our lives. Um, And I think that anybody listening, if you have pain in your life um, that God's putting you, not putting you through, but helping you through in in many ways, it turns into a passion. So my brothers died from a drug overdose. They both love the Lord uh, and they still died from drugs, um, which is the nature, which is the nature of that disease. And it was real tragic. You know, they were one and two years younger than me. Um, We were like the three musketeers. uh, And they were gone. Mm. And it it all happened during this period when I was building a business. Um, And I started an organization called Natural High, naturalhigh.org. And we're in over 20,000 schools now. Uh, It's not explicitly faith-based, but faith-inspired. And we tell stories of truth uh, to young people on how to do life well and how to stay away from drugs and how to make good choices and how to choose their natural high over drugs. And we have people like Bethany Hamilton and Switchfoot. We have Tony Hawk. We have Kelly Slater. We have NBA That's uh, amazing. players. We have uh, football players. Anyways, our, we know that kids listen to cultural icons. Yes. And we know that the power of story can change hearts and minds. The power of story can change perception. So I use that the power of story, which Jesus knew so well, uh, in, uh, the classrooms through natural high. So we've, you know, that's another classic example of God. Like, you know, when I was sitting on a park bench after I buried my second brother, Eric, I had this Porsche, this red Porsche I just bought. That's when I said I was stumbling with the Lord at the time. And, uh, and I just buried my second brother and I'm looking at the sunset. I'm sitting next to my pastor buddy and I got hit like the wind again. And it said, what profits a man if he gains the whole world? but loses his soul. And it just hit me. Mm. Like, like mm. what is all this? What is it anything about? Like this pursuit of money and the pursuit of business. If, the, if God's not in it and around it and on it, what's the point? And I, and I remember looking back and looking at my Porsche and then sharing what I just heard from the Lord with my friend Doug. And, uh, and just in case I didn't get the message, the Porsche was stolen a week later. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so it was like, 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 okay, I'm really listening now, God. Okay. I got it. I got this. I'm really going to listen. Wow. Um, and, and from that point forward, I've always tried to put, um, you know, my faith somehow into my business and dedicate my business and the success of my business to God. And I have to say like in the business world, as you guys know, we're trained to, to be our own Kings. Yeah, we're trained to be our own gods. You know, that's that's the kind of the, the drumbeat of most business lectures and business. You know, if you do these things right, and you do do them well, you're going to be successful. And it's like a formula. And through a profound series of circumstances, I've come to know that at the end of the day, we're not in control. And for every uh, great business that succeeded, there's another hundred businesses with guys just as smart as me mm-hmm. that hasn't succeeded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So whether I'm successful or whether I fail, I do it unto the Lord. Uh, and the fact that I am successful is just humbling. Yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of people in my career that I've, I've, I've met that haven't been as successful and are every bit as smart as me. Well, I do. I, I heard a couple of things in this interview, and one of them was when you were talking to um, the one company where you left because of how they treated their customers. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, in Christianity, I think we have this high value for obviously love and 
loving your neighbor as yourself. Like there's something about God gives you a business because the people he thought before time began of the people that you would be connected to. And they were not just part of the equation. They were the equation, like his love for those people. And I just love that you valued that so much that it actually caused you to change your position. And it was a real deciding moment because I feel like a lot of people are afraid of doing these kinds of big decisions. They don't realize the kingdom will work better than anything else, but the kingdom isn't like a direct path. It's a, the second thing I heard that I really think is important and amazing is that, you know, I had a brother who passed away too. And mm. because my parents got saved in his death, that's why I was raised a Christian mm. because they, because he knew Jesus, my parents didn't. And he was only uh, three and a half, four years old when he died of leukemia. And it's really interesting because like, I feel like my life and living what I'm living somehow brought him because he was kind of, he made a way for our family to become a Christian, yeah. but my life somehow brought him or is bringing him value in heaven as like he's sharing in my experience, my Christianity, like his, my reward is his reward type thing. I just think of your brothers and like yeah. in heaven, like you said, they're believers in heaven yeah. and all of these millions of kids who've heard this message and yeah. get to live out their destiny yeah. and not get cut short because of drugs because you've chosen to leverage your whole business this way because the kingdom of God, because what God put inside of you and how happy your brothers must be in heaven. Like we're killing it. Like this is like, <laughs> like they're part of your story and they're, it says in Hebrews 12, one, we're surrounded by the great cloud of not witnesses, but testifiers, those who cause you to run the race with more energy. That's what that means. And a lot of people don't look at it that way. So I just think of your brothers up in heaven, like, come on, bro, come on, like, let's go, like, yeah. let's keep doing this. And how, you know, how God's multiplied the impact because you're not just living out your calling. You're living out kind of your two brothers' callings that got cut short because of this evil thing that happens, Mm -hmm. you know, in our society. So I just, I wanted to just kind of, I don't always do commentary, but I want to do some commentary because I'm so inspired by what you're saying. I feel like we have an opportunity with our, I love our listeners so much. And we have an opportunity where they're hearing something from you Mm -hmm. of just making those courageous, brave choices that aren't the common choice. They're not the easy choice. And sometimes it looks like things are ending because of them. But I love what God begins when we come to our end. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah. And you, and you know, John, I know the stories of the employees that have been impacted by you and the culture that you created at your companies. Mm-hmm. And I know the stories of your family, that how you circled the wagons and because of the culture and the love that you have with the Lord, how those things were changed and mm. it's no small thing. Uh, you were, you were super successful in business and you, and uh, I know you were at, out at your place at the ranch when you decided what the number was, when you finally were going to sell your company and the Lord spoke to you again, I'm sure mm. through the wind, but your legacy is, you know, your two amazing children and all these millions of kids that mm. have heard that what natural high really is. Yeah. And, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and and um, and share your experiences and your vulnerability with us. Yeah, we so appreciate it. I know. Well, it's, a, it's a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, we're about to come back. Thank you so much, John. We're about to come back with questions and answers with Bob and Sean. Welcome to the Exploring Series podcast with me, Sean Bowles. We're now up to three episodes a week with three different themes. Join me every Monday for Exploring the Industry, where we have powerful conversations with Christians and entertainment industries around the world who have stories about how their faith is impacting their career and the world around them. Join us Wednesdays in one of the most listened to podcasts in Christianity, Exploring the Prophetic, where I get to interview people from every walk of life about how hearing from God has changed their world and the world around them. 
Then come download every Friday's edition where we're exploring the marketplace with my co-host, Bob Hassan, where we have powerful interviews and we answer questions from listeners like you who have careers in the marketplace. Come take a seat in our conversation and ask your questions and subscribe to the Exploring Series where we go on one journey together to see what it looks like to have a living relationship with Jesus in every kind of life imaginable. Bob, I'm so excited about this segment because you and I have answered so many people's questions at our live events and now we get to do it on podcast. Yes. So we're going to be answering your questions. So please feel free. We're doing it in a different format because we're we're recording this at all different times. So we're giving you guys the opportunity to go to our webpage, www.bowlsministries.com, and you can record a question to us. And so you're going to hear some of these questions that are recorded being played today. This is the first time that Bob and I are hearing them. And we're going to answer them together. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm really excited. We get practical, spiritual, everything. Everything, all in one, all in one wrap up. So this is the final segment of our podcast today. And our first question is from Anthony. My question is, how do we practically invite God into the workplace and whichever type of work we do? And how do we measure success in the workplace as Christians? If we're working in the church or out of the church, what is a way that we can measure success? Is it through just being productive? Is it through how much we make? Is it through how, how many people we're able to help and succeed? And Yeah, and that's my question. Thank you so much. Anthony, thanks so much for asking that question. It's a great question. And the first part of your question was, how do we practically invite God into our workplace? And I think we do that the same way that we do it every other area in our life. We don't compartmentalize. We ask God to go before us. Um, Whether or not you have a quiet time in the morning or you listen to worship on the way to work or listen to worship in your home office now that we're working from home, you're inviting God into your day and asking him to go before you uh, as you face the challenges of the day. I think that's a great way to answer that. And I think also, Anthony, so many of us have like a Christian performance on us that we feel like we have to do something spectacular at work and we see things happen at church or we hear things from our pastors or leaders And then we're thinking, how do I evangelize my whole workspace? And the reality is that you're actually called on an assignment with God there. And the assignment isn't just evangelism. As a matter of fact, evangelism would be a um, a lot of times the second in the backseat of the assignment of God. It'd just Mm -hmm. be something that would happen because of your life in God brought opportunity to speak to people, not because you're making opportunity happen. And so I would encourage you like to invite God in the, uh, the workplace would be to be the full Christian you are with all the moral integrity and the principles and, you know, the, the prayer life. And there's those moments that somebody says something and they're like, Oh my gosh, my daughter's sick. She's in the hospital. I got, I got to take three days off. And you get, you just will automatically find yourself saying, is there anything I could do? Can we provide meals or, or can we pray for you? It'll just be so organic. And the person will be like, yes, I need prayer versus having to feel like you're on duty all the time to get someone saved at work, which could be very detrimental to you and to the assignment, unless that's part of, how you're wired and geared. Um, we always want to look for opportunities to share Christ, but we also want to look for opportunities to do what we're called to in the environment we're in. In the workplace, generally, you'll have metrics, you'll have assignments, uh, you'll have production, um, whether it's dealing with people or projects. And so, you know, again, I would recommend inviting God into all those tasks and then using your character, your ethics, and your morality to care for and love people in the times that, um, that they need it. 
Yeah, and I think the second part of the question is really important because I think as Christians, we got to we got to look for a mission and find out like, why are we doing what we're doing? And sometimes we want too much of a purpose in it. And we don't just respect the practical, the fact that man toils, you know, we work, we work really hard and we get benefits from those works, you know, the, the work that we accomplish and that that's spiritual too, that that's an act of worship. Whatever we do, we do it unto God. And that's really important. But, you know, we can look at the metrics of like, what has God called me to? How am I supposed to impact the world? And sometimes your mission, your spiritual mission, isn't your workplace. Uh, it's always your workplace, but it's not like your passion project. You know, like you want to deal with orphans, but you feel like you're in real estate. Well, then, you know, support an orphanage in a real way and let that be the place where you get the primary fuel for your passion to go back into that workspace of being a realtor. And I feel like so many people want to feel that magical, like I'm doing every day exactly what I was destined for from God. And the reality is Bob and I have to tell people a lot, like you're not going to feel that way most days. Uh, especially when you're in your early on in your career, you're you're going to feel like you're working really hard and you're learning balance and how to, you know, juggle your life and the whole, it's just, there's a lot to learn and work is complicated. And I feel like we want to have the sense of what we think we imagine a pastor or a missionary would have why we're at the workplace. And if you talk to that pastor or missionary, which I've been one, they are struggling with the same things. <laughs> so <laughs> they're looking for the same metrics. Like, does my life have meaning to God? You know, just, is this enough? I've, you talk to so many pastors who are depressed because they're not sure what they're doing is even making an impact. And so it's just important for you to know, like, do everything as an act of worship. Do everything as though it's unto God. Let God add purpose to you. But you're not always going to feel like I'm burning with passion for everybody I'm working with in every detail. Sometimes you're just doing your job and you're doing it faithfully, loyal to him and love. That's good. Thank you for the question. Anthony, thanks for those two great questions. And we want to answer more questions from you guys. Go to bowlsministries.com. There's an image there. You can click on it. And when you click on it, you can record your message or your question to Bob and I. And then we can answer them next time. And we're looking forward to your questions. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring Podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.